is the issue that's facing this group of believers that gets written about, particularly in chapters 4 and chapter 5. Chapter the believers have come together and are excited about Christ's return. They talk about it. They study the Old Testament scriptures. They listen to others discuss Jesus' eminent return. But as the days have turned into weeks, the weeks into months, and the months into years, what has happened is that several of these believers have died. And so because their theology of end times is not real well developed in terms of this congregation of believers, they have a lot of questions. What's going to happen to those who have already died? What's going to happen to us who are still alive? These things that we've heard about, how are they going to play themselves out? Some of what's written here is really borrowed, probably not the right word, but means upon some of the things that Jesus has already said. A number of the phrases, a number of the statements, and many of the ideas are based on some of the things that we can read in what's called Jesus' Olivet Discourse. You can find that in the Gospels. And so we hear some of the same language that the author here is trying to encourage, affirm, and help those who are gathered in this place trying to understand where their faith is taking them. So, you've already heard it, but this passage in verse 1 begins. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't have to write to you about dates and times. You know very well that the day of our Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. There are going to be people who are saying, peace, safety, but destruction is going to come on them. Suddenly, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they're not going to escape from it. But you, brothers and sisters, you're not in the dark about these matters, so that this day should take you by surprise like a thief. You are children of light, children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then don't be like others who have fallen asleep. But instead, let us be awake and sober. So this language that it shifts into, sleep, awake, sober, drunk, which it will say in verse 7, these first six verses lead us to a place that probably requires a little bit more understanding of the culture and the city in which this body of believers is worshipping. One of the most prominent religious deities of that setting was Dionysus, the god of wine. And so in their religious endeavors to worship Dionysus, they would use wine to an extreme, which would lead to a lot of breaking down of barriers and inhibitions, which led to a lot of 
desire to know God and to be known by God. And then it translates in this desire to know someone else and to be known by someone else. The problem is when that expression is pursued without any of the boundaries that God calls us to, when it's pursued in a way that has no respect for the other, no respect for ourselves, or no respect for God, when that pursuit takes us in directions that move us further away from God instead of closer to knowing God and knowing ourselves. But it shouldn't surprise us that it takes place, because it's the longing we all have for intimacy, to be known, and to know. So this language here speaks directly into the culture of the time, to be awake, to be asleep, to be drunk, to be sober. But if we pull it back one more layer, I think it's also a wonderful language for what it means to truly know God and to know ourselves. Discipleship is a call to know God simultaneously a call to know ourselves. So very often, the pathway to knowing God better is to know myself. And the pathway to knowing myself better is to know God better. Very often those two get separated. And when that happens, the results usually are not very productive. Sometimes the great religious endeavor to know God, but to not know myself, leaves us in this place where we um, look spiritually on top of things. But it's incredibly naive. And it leaves us less than what is God, what God has called us to. To pursue God without knowing myself leaves me in a place where I'm called to put to death those parts of me that detract from being all that God has called me to be. How can I put to death that which I know nothing about? How can I sanctify or allow God to sanctify the parts of my life that I've never explored? How can I allow, on the cross, to join with Christ in crucifixion, the selfishness that I've never fully understood, the jealousy that I've never allowed to come to the surface, the hatred that boils underneath, the self-centeredness and self-righteousness that leads to the arrogance, if I don't know those things, if I'm going to live as God called me to live and be the instrument that God wants to use in the world in which I live, I not only have to pursue God, but I have to know myself. Let's go to the flip side of that. To know myself and not pursue God. Well, narcissistic in that approach, but nevertheless, it leads to two very interesting kind of directions. It can lead to a very arrogant self, where I explore my own journey and I start congratulating myself for who I am, the prize that I am to this world. Because I have nothing against which to compare myself that's greater than me. If I'm pursuing God simultaneously, I realize how small I am. I realize that all I have is at God's hand. 
chapter 1 of this letter, that they have faith, hope, and love. He repeats it again, as we just said in verse 5. But he's also saying, I want to identify you for you a key characteristic of your community of faith. And that is this notion of encouragement. It is the trade of building up. It calls us to be intentional. Who will that be for you today? This week. This month. I love reading John. Here's one of the reasons why I think I like reading him so much. He calls himself the one who Jesus loved. I feel like somehow, sometime, John felt like he got picked out by Jesus and was loved in this, especially potent love. Encouraged by the Messiah. And he needed that encouragement because he may very well be the only disciple that lived a long life. And over the long haul, he reminded himself of the incredible encouragement from the one who loved him so much. Who's the one whose life you will speak into tomorrow? When you do that with one person, God has an amazing way of expanding your capacity. Then who are the three? Peter, James, and John always come to mind with how Jesus invested them in some wonderful ways. Who are your three? I'm not going to let you escape this morning. Calling you to task. I'm calling you to engage. Who are the three? When you do that, God will expand your capacity. It won't take a whole lot more work. You'll just find that God has brought across your path and more individuals. So who's beyond the three? Jesus loved Mary, Martha, Mary Magdalene, Lazarus, Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, the list goes on and on. It was characteristic of the community that Jesus was building. We can do no less. It is our calling in this place to encourage people in faith that this will be a place of forgiveness, a place of salvation, a place where the Spirit is free to roam work inside of us, work with us, and work in us. And that we encourage one another to do so. Father in heaven, this morning, some of us need to hear the message of hope or forgiveness. May this be the morning where we surrender ourselves to you. The simple prayer that says, Lord Jesus, would you be the Lord of my life? Come into my heart and please forgive me. Is that prayer, Lord? May this morning be that time. For some of us, Lord, we need the encouragement. Whatever we are facing, we brought it with us this morning. Lord, please help no one to leave this place without sensing your sufficiency, without sensing and knowing that you have us in the palm of your hand. A word of encouragement that comes through one of us, something from Scripture, from the 
pushing away all of the issues, whether through addiction or productivity or busyness or sleep, Lord, will you please push away the numbness this morning so that we can heal? Some of us are fully aware of how hard the work is know you and to know ourselves, but Lord, you're with us. So I pray for a sense of your presence, assurance of your peace. Someone said to me, Lord, and we continue walking this journey together, Lord, help us to walk together this morning. Help us to be such a place it's not just a pipe dream, Lord, but it is what we believe about ourselves, a place of 